Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I just heard a little secret. It's, it was Rod's birthday today. Happy birthday, Rod, whoever you are. Oh, is, does God speak to anyone else in movies sometimes? Uh, you know, my daughter, Molly, she used to make fun because I'd take in the movie and she'd say, get ready for the sermon. And I would, you know, that's just my shape. Anyhow, way back when, a very familiar movie, I felt like God spoke in a profound way. Everybody remembers the movie Lion King. And if you don't, just a, a little refresher, um, that Simba, the young lion, is destined to be king, uh, but something tragic happens. His father, Mufasa, is killed, and Scar, the wicked uncle, blames it on, on Simba. And in despair, he runs away. He's crushed. He's never going to be a king now. He's never going to amount to anything. And it's so sad, but fortunately, he meets Timon and Pimba, the meerkat and warthog. How many love Pimba? That was, uh, that was my favorite part. And they have this solution, kuna matata. Somebody say, hakuna matata. And it's a, a problem, worry-free philosophy. And let's just forget about it all. Let's eat grapes or worms or whatever it was. And yet, Simba starts to feel this restlessness. And he, he just can't just be at peace with that. And you remember the story, sees a vision, Mufasa says, can you remember those words? Simba, remember who you are. And he realizes again, no, I was born to be a king. And he goes back and he, boy, he takes care of those hyenas and he reigns and he fulfills his destiny. Why am I telling you about that? I feel that that reflects something that many of us feel. We were all created to fulfill the call, the purpose that God put in us. And, and we're never quite at peace, no matter how much stuff we have. I love the verse in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, God has put eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? God has put something huge in every human heart. We called it genius. And so, again, welcome to the genius series. And, and the genius is the way God's wired you, the way he formed you and shaped you to live through your life, to accomplish something, to make you an instrument that transforms others around you, that heals the brokenhearted. It, it is that unique thing or things that you are wired. And, and it's, it's not just you, it's God in you, right? I mean, when you know your genius, you're not going to do just your potential. Your potential is okay, but there's something much better. You're gonna fulfill God's potential. You're gonna do the impossible. And I just wanted to, to form you, and I keep saying that when God looks at you, he sees genius in you. Uh, remember when God made the first Adam and Eve, he says, very good, very good. And, and I just want to write, there is greatness in you. Could you just turn to somebody and say, there's genius in you. There's greatness in you. It's amazing what's in you. And God wants to pull it out. 
God wants to help us pull it out of each other. And it's today that genius is how we, what we find when we begin to seek God's purpose for our life and surrender fully to his call and discover the gifts and take those risks to start operating in the heavenly gifts that, that he's given us. So first of all, to know your purpose and calling, you, you've got to know what it is. It is the thing God formed and framed you for. Before you were ever born, and I just love this. Look at Jeremiah 1.5. I just love this. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. You are a custom-made baby, baby. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Galatians 1.15. The apostle Paul says, but even before I was born, God chose me. He called me by his marvelous grace. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork or workmanship. You know what the Greek word, some of you know, poema, it means masterpiece. Just say, I'm a masterpiece, all right? You're God's work of genius. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. You were wired with greatness inside of you. And notice the phrase in Christ. I circled that. Again, we said it last week. The genius of Jesus is not that he was a great example. You see, I could try to copy, you know, Mozart, Einstein. I could learn from them, but I'll never be an Einstein, right? But Jesus didn't just give us an example. He gave us his spirit. He transferred his genius. And he says, if you're in Christ, God has been made to you wisdom, sanctification. Inside of you is the genius of Jesus. Wow. Whoever you are, you are formed. Gifts and anointings. And what I said last week, and it goes back to Simba. Unfortunately, many of us have those things suppressed in our life. Everybody's had a scar in their life who told us we're no good. <laughs> All of us had something we thought we were going to do, and then we failed miserably. <laughs> Anybody take a few detours in your life? <laughs> and you became convinced there's nothing better for me to just eat, drink, and be merry and die. That's about it, you know. And then one day the Holy Spirit says, no, come on. Remember who you are. I have an anointing for you. I, I had an interesting vision as I prayed for you this week. The picture I had was like all of these, you know, I call them a mantle. Think of a robe or something. And like a yard sale. And they were all laid out there. And, and, and I asked the Lord what it was. And he says, those are the anointings of all the people you read about in the Bible. The callings. You know, you have Gideon, daring leader anointing, even though he thought he was a chicken. <laughs> you have David, the beautiful musician, and you have Deborah. He kept speaking Deborah. It says, there is the Deborah, which is to call people out and lead them, even when you're not the person in that culture that's supposed to have that job. 
and Mary highly favored and Basilel, who was the genius artist that created the beauty of the temple and Nehemiah, the brilliant engineer. And he said, every one of those anointings are still on the earth today. And every one of them has the name of someone at Heart for the World written on it. And some of them have dabbled and they picked it up a minute and they just said, I'm not good enough for that. I can't wear that. I'm no Hannah. What an intercessor. I'm no Hannah. I'm, I can barely stay awake when I pray. No. And this series is to help you claim that and reclaim that. In fact, the word the Lord gave me was, you're not only going to claim it, but God has an upgrade for you. <laughs> you remember, you know, Elisha, he got the prophet mantle, but then he said, and I want a double portion. <laughs> I believe some of you today, there is something in you and you've operated at this level sometimes and then you haven't, but it's time for your double portion. Hallelujah. It's time. It's time to say, now just take that mantle and begin to live it. A couple of important things. A calling is not just for special people. It's, it's for everyone. I like to say it this way. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose, all right? Everybody check, see if you got one of those. Please check the person next to you. There's a few I'm not sure about there. Anyhow, but if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. You were formed from the foundation of the world. Even if you think that you're the foolish one, God says, I've chosen the foolish to confound the wise. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've chosen the weak to be the biggest geniuses of all. A lot of people disqualify themselves. They think the calling, that's a heavy thing. That's for missionaries or some priest or nuns. Pastor Thomas, we were talking about this and he grew up in the Catholic church. He was an altar boy. And uh, at 12 years old, the priest said to his parents, you want to send him to seminary? He has a call. And he was like, please, no, please, no. You know, whatever. <laughs> but the idea for many people in religion is, is, is this idea of a call. Mother Teresa has a call. The rest of you guys just have a career. And even when Thomas went to Bible school, they kept saying, well, where are you going to be a pastor? He says, I don't understand this, but I don't think I'm, that's, I'm supposed to be in a vocational ministry. I've been called to the education world to love kids. See, you can, you can minimize this idea of a call by trying to make it something way spiritual and mystical. No, it's simply a gift that you have it doesn't come from you, but when it operates through you, it opens the door to the mercy of God on people's lives. I just want you to picture that because every time you use your gift, you open that door. And every time you say, no, I don't want to use my gift. I know I could be an intercessor, but I'm too busy. The mercy doesn't go to somebody. Every time you say, I'm I can't really serve or I've, I've hurt people and I can't go back now. You're closing the door where God wants to pour out his mercy. 
Another thing, it's not something that gets canceled because of failure and sins. Many people disqualify themselves. Well, I, I thought I had a call, but I was a Jonah, man. God said to go north, and I went south as fast as I could. But look at this verse. I love it. Romans eleven twenty nine. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Can you say irrevocable? Irrevocable. You know what it means? He doesn't take them back. Now, let me tell you something about gifts. They don't say anything about you. God doesn't give you gifts because you deserve it. God gives you gifts because of his grace. And because they're his grace, he doesn't cancel them. This is so amazing to me, the mercy of God. I, I'm amazed at this. God knows before I was born, when I was in my mother's womb, he knew every dumb thing Dale Walker was going to do. How many know some of us majored in dumb? I got my list of dumb. You could say, well, I'm dumb. Maybe not as dumb as Pastor Dale, but you got some dumb in your life. All right. God says, I'm big enough. I'm great enough. I'm loving enough to reroute your destiny. Don't get stuck in those regrets. Don't get stuck in what happened. You don't have time for that. Cry out to God and say, God, I'm crying out for your GPS. God, you could use a whale to turn a prophet's destiny. God, send a whale. God, reroute my destiny. This is my day. This is my hour. No matter what's happened, I want the remainder of my days to fulfill the purpose of God in my life. Amen. This, I love in Timothy 1.12, Paul says, God chose me even though I was a blasphemer. I was contemptuous. I was a murderer. He chose me so that people who would see my life and testimony would know how merciful God is. Just some important things about your calling. Number one, your calling is different than your career. There's nothing wrong with your career, but your, your calling is bigger than that. I like to say, say it this way. Your calling is what you do. Your, I'm sorry, your career is what you do. Your calling is how you make a difference. Your, your career is how you make a living. Your calling is how you make a life. Your, your career is often about your 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 success, you're winning the job you have to do to keep things going. And God loves that. He knows how hard your work is. But your, your calling is not about just what you did on here. Your calling is about your legacy. Your calling is about the seeds that you sow while you did what you did so that lives are changed for hundreds of generations. And, and it's awesome to have a career, but don't settle for a career because you have a calling too. Have you noticed people who you knew they had a calling, not just a career? I mean, literally. I was at the restaurant on delays this week. And I was just, the, the way that this person served us, I said, she has a calling. And she made me feel like you've given me the greatest privilege. You need joy. I could, I could just hear her praying, God, when I meet people today, 
Lord, maybe I can't make their day, but maybe I could make their five minutes. God, anoint me. So what I do makes a difference in somebody's life today. Raise my, my vision. One of the things I put here, a career is something you can retire from. A calling isn't finished till you die. <laughs> in Acts 13, 36, it says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. I love that. And he was buried with his ancestors. You know, here's what God's plan is. You finish the purpose and you say, okay, time to go to sleep. Why would you want to stay here anyhow after you got your purpose? You see, a lot of people mix those two up. Some people have asked me, well, what are you, you know, when are you going to retire? I got to, I'm not sure I understand that. When am I going to get the RV or play golf? I'm no good at either one of those. You should see me play golf. You would pray in the spirit if you watch me. And I can't fix an RV and I'd be stuck somewhere near Van Horn and I'd never live. But I'm just, but the point is, the point is I will change positions someday. I will do something different, but my calling will never change. When I was 16 years old, this crazy kid before the anointing of God, when God told me I could have an anointing to pastor people and to communicate God's word, I, I tell people, I'm glad you didn't know me before the anointing. <laughs> but the moment I begin to walk that out, I had lots of jobs. I was a painter. I was a salesperson. I, I was a student. I, I worked at factories. I had a lot of jobs. But I've had the same calling since that day. And I want you to understand that because you're here for a calling. And I, I'm thankful that you have a career, but that's not what this is ultimately about. And I wanted to just introduce uh, Jeff Flores, the CEO of, of Mecha Therapy. He's a friend of mine, and we did the leadership podcast, and it, that'll come out next week. But Jeff had something changed his life when he saw what he does as a business person as not just a career, but a calling and a purpose. So just watch this video real quick. My wife and I years ago started Mecca Therapies and our company serves children um, in six counties throughout the state. Um, early on, 22 years ago, we started off in a little um, room in the back of our house. And 22 years later, we've been blessed with serving over a thousand children per week and having over 250 staff across six counties. We're absolutely blessed. Um, within that journey, um, I also learned how to be a good businessman through trial and error. But more importantly, I found my purpose and calling. And I realized that all along, building a business was not in fact building a business. It was the foundation of me discovering my purpose in life. And it started um, through self-discovery, but to be honest with you, when it really uh, took hold in my life was when my daughter, Lauren, was baptized at Heart for the World by Pastor Dale. My wife and I struggled a little bit. We were Catholic. Um, we had a good foundation of faith, but we couldn't understand why my daughter wanted to get baptized again. And 
I, I decided at some point that it dawned on me that, you know, if my daughter wants to get baptized again, if I'm seeing such a change in her that wants her to discover uh, her purpose a little bit more, I don't want to have to answer at some point with uh, the Lord and say, you know, she was trying to get closer to me and what was the issue? That was a conversation I was not going to have. So we came to Lauren's baptism and I'm a grown man and I could not stop weeping through the ceremony. And I have to say it was not just because my daughter was getting baptized. I never saw people pray that way. And long story short, we're now members of Heart for the World. And it's been an amazing, amazing journey ever since. Through that process, um, I found that there was a change in me. Uh, I consider myself an entrepreneur. I, I, uh, we have our healthcare company, but I also farm and ranch. And I just opened a feed store and my wife calls me a busybody. I can't sit still, but that's my life and that makes me happy. But I also understand that now, and it all started with Lauren and getting us here at Heart for the World, that there was this craving of wanting to understand my purpose. I knew there was something more. And through these last years, what I've realized is that for me personally, I wasn't building a company with my wife. I was fulfilling my purpose on earth. I was fulfilling my purpose. I was finding a way to take services to children and families in rural communities. I was being a steward. Didn't know that, but as I started discovering that through the help of Pastor Dell, uh, I realized that we all have purpose in us and we should all have that hunger to find out more. And it doesn't have to be about, you don't have to have a company. You don't have to have a big company or do several things. What you have to do is know that of all the choices in, in, in infinity and in the heavens that there was, that God breathed life into my soul. Knowing that and having Lauren get us here to heart for the world and through the guidance of Pastor Dale, and it made me want to discover my shape my tools, my gifts, my talents. And at the end of the day, knowing that being a, I don't want to be known as a good businessman. I want to be known as a faithful Christian, an amazing father, and someone who made sure that the legacy was that my children knew I was a man of God and that my purpose was to give back to this world. I just happened to build a big company. And so, I hope that this gives you a little insight as to my journey and that that journey is waiting for all of us in some form or fashion. Amen. Thank you so much, Jeff. I hope you can listen to the podcast just about how, how do you fulfill a purpose in business? And uh, one of the things that, that I gave him early on was this book, Shaped, which is what I'm going to do in the seminar next week. And I'm just going to tell because he told me, if you sign up for that, he's going to buy you this book. So you want to get that. <laughs> and uh, the idea, when you discover how you're made, you discover what you're for. And that's what we explore. How, how did God make me? What is his passions, his gifts, and so forth?
So here, here's some, some important, how, how does discovering your genius, your, your calling, release your genius? And there's so many ways, and this is just an introduction to that seminar, but number one, it allows you to begin to see the pain and hardships you've been through in your life differently. Suddenly, when you have the perspective, God, how many remember this verse, Romans 8, 28? Maybe we could read it. Um, and we know that in all things, somebody say all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, when does things work for good? When you're looking for his purpose. Not because you're breathing, but when you're a per person of purpose, then then you look back at your life and you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. You see the sorrow. You see, God did not waste a pain. He didn't cause the suffering, but he has a plan for it. One of my favorite uh, heroes today, uh, Nick Vucicic. I don't know if you have a picture of him, but who was born without arms and legs, this evangelist today. And, and he was a, a teenager and he was praying to die uh, and, uh, I love this. This is a picture of him. One of his books was no arms, no legs, no problem. But anyhow, he said, God, I want to die. Why did you make me this way? And he, and he got the verse from John nine, where they said, who sinned that this man was born blind? And Jesus said, no one sinned. This happened. So the works of God could be manifest. God, do you have works that you're going to manifest because I have no arms and legs? He says, okay, God, I'll embrace it. Today, he's traveled around the world several times, literally. Wherever he goes, people with disabilities, other days just flock, and so many come to Christ. Why? Because it makes sense now. It wasn't about my convenience. It was about purpose. When we seek our purpose, we find the will of God is not burdensome. You see, God wired you. you know, some people have this weird idea. Well, don't tell, don't ask God what he wants you to do because when he asks you to do something, it'll be terrible. It'll be so hard. You'll be doing penance for the next 50. Are you kidding me? The Bible says that God has worked in you to will or to want to do his good pleasure. In the very core of your soul is a divine want to, which is to want to do what God made you to do. In Psalm 37, four, it says, if you delight in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. Did you know your heart has desires? I know your flesh has desires. That's another issue. But your heart has some deep want. To, and you know what your deepest want to is? I want to make a difference. I want to take somebody to heaven. And when you find your purpose, you find your fulfillment <laughs> because it was put in you. I think that's why when Jesus called the disciples, he said, they were all fishermen. He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. You're going to get to do what you love just at another level. <laughs> You're going to get to fulfill something that's been in you. You just need to undo that package. You, you also discover your place on God's team. Some people say, how do I know where I fit in? You know, there's a verse that says that a person's gift will make room for them. As soon as a person begins to discover who people, 
It's just amazing how, how that happens. Once you start to serve, see, your gift doesn't work apart from others, apart from community. How many know, as gifted as my ear could be, if my ear is laying over there because it got cut off, it's not fulfilling. People are like lone rangers, but they're never going to fulfill their purpose because your purpose is fulfilled in unity and harmony with the team and the church. You are a piece of the puzzle. Oh, you've got to understand this. You have a piece of this eternal mosaic called the kingdom of God in this part of the century. And God has to take that piece of you and fit you with the other pieces before the picture is complete. And as you know your, your calling and gift, oh, I, I fit right here. I pray. Oh, I fit over here. I speak. Oh, I fit over here. I love kids. Oh, I'm a, I'm an organizer. And you find, and it's so incredible. And then this is my favorite one. As you discover your calling, you discover God's provision. You discover the miracle zone. There is a zone in your life where what you do, you do better than you can do because God does it through you. Can you, can you say that's true? There are things, there are zones. If I walk into a hospital, God is there because I'm a pastor. If you ask me to fix your car today, God's not even going to come with us. All right, you see what I'm saying? There, there is not any anointing over there. But if I'm in my zone, it's incredible. And, and I had someone tell me one time, you're, you're not that good, Dale. I don't understand. Believe me, I know. I know. But, but when I'm in the zone, this is why I was made. It's not just me. It's the Holy Spirit. And so my goal in life is to spend as much of my life in that zone as I can. <laughs> and when you do that, you see blessing. You see, here, here's the idea. Many people the, think the way to success is grab for all the gusto you get, can get, you know. Fight for it. This is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, you know. You better strive. You better take every chance you can. Cut in line if you have to, man. You got to get out there. You got to hustle, and it's just about you, and it's about a bottom line and a profit sheet, and come on. And then Jesus comes and says, no, that's that's the other kingdom. If you ever want greatness, you've got to be the servant. And then he says this amazing verse, Matthew 6, 33. He says, he says, but if you will seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. You know what he's saying? He says, if you are on your agenda, good luck. But if you decide, I want to live my life on God's agenda, even if it's to a disadvantage of you, don't worry about it because everything will be added. He, he promises that you, if you just have eternity as your priority, the, the life here on earth will have all the success it needs to have. I like what C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither heaven or earth. But the moment it is the kingdom, and you say, well, how do you do that for yourselves? No, 
You can be a salesperson and make great sales, but, but you also care about the people. And sometimes you won't make the sale because you want to care about the people. And you know God's keeping score anyhow. And the next sale might be twice as much. But you have eternal values. I, I, I love another movie uh, called When the Game Stands Still about Coach Bob Dossier of the LaSalle High School football team, a, a Christian coach in California. And, and he, he modeled this team. That's, it's just an incredible story. But he told them, my number one aim is not winning football games. My aim is that we would learn to love each other and that whatever happens when you leave this team, you will be a man that people can count on, that your wife will never worry about that, that the people you work with will always respect and admire. I am not here to win games. I am here to make winners and to make people who live according to the image of God. Oh, by the way, they won 151 straight games. See, if you, you make eternal values your goal, God throws earth in there. You will have more than you ever imagined to do more than you could have ever done because you will have the favor of God on your life. So how do you discover your calling and purpose? Number one, you decide you will focus your life on fulfilling a purpose, not achieving a lifestyle. And what do I mean by that? The, the key purpose is rarely, a few of you will have those divine moments where God speaks out of a cloud. You know, uh, Charlton Heston, uh, Ten Commandments, your hair will turn white or whatever. Most people don't discover their call that dramatically. Most will just say, what's the focus of my life? And they'll start moving. I, I say it this way. If you follow the Holy Spirit promptings enough times, you will end up in your purpose. If you just take his next step, you just say, God, I am not here for my agenda. Every morning you get up and you say, Dale Walker reporting for duty, sir. What are we doing today? I set aside my agenda, Lord. Jesus told his parents at 12, don't you know I have to be about father's business? Can I tell you, every person who's changed history they weren't focused on achieving a lifestyle. I'm going to have the American dream someday. Believe me, the American dream isn't all that dreamy without purpose. How many know someone who has more than enough to live on, but they don't have enough to live for? They're bored. And they're selfish. And their life is shrinking. Their soul is small. And so you say, no. Oh God, I will focus through history, everyone who's transformed the world. I was just reading Mandela, Nelson Mandela's story and he's in prison for 26 years on Robben Island and it's, it's the most wicked oppression. I mean, he has to literally sleep naked in his cell for eight years. They're just trying to punish him. They're trying to break his spirit. But through that time, he says, I have a purpose. I am going to see our apartheid changed. I am going to see justice uh, for, for the people who are, are black in our country. I am going to see something. And he just endures it because every day he knows it's going to happen. And one day, 
he becomes president. But you see, every human being decides, what is my focus? Am I a consumer or am I a contributor? Am I a getter, a grabber, or am I a giver? Am I living to make my biggest difference? Look at this verse in Acts 20, 24. It's one of my life verses. I don't know how many times I quote this because it keeps my head straight. This is Paul, Paul's purpose. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Nothing else matters. Well, well, Paul, you're going to get persecuted. That doesn't matter. Paul, some people are going to really love you. Doesn't matter. Some people are going to hate you. Doesn't matter. You're going to have to work overtime. Doesn't matter. You're going to get thrown over a boat in an ocean. Doesn't matter. I have a calling. Every day. I don't spend a day without getting up. I put it in here, but how many know one of the enemy's tools is distraction? It's just incredible how he gets us busy on, on things that don't matter. You know, and, and he says, look at that issue and get mad at this person. And what about this? And look at that. And, and you start spending all your time, you know, complaining and all, oh, and you're confused. And you know why most people don't fulfill their purpose? They run to the wrong finish line and solve problems weren't worth solving. Remember the story of Roy Regal, 1929 Rose Bowl, who covered a fumble from, you know, Georgia Tech and he was going to win the game, but he ran to the wrong end zone. And how many people will get to the end of their life and they'll hear the Lord say, what did it profit you? You gained the whole world. You lost your soul. You lost the purpose I had for your family. Nobody in heaven is impressed with your big titles or anything else. How easy is it? It, it just to get confused. I tell the story when I'm on, with, with Sharon on our honeymoon. We laugh about this still. The second day of our honeymoon, we decide to play Monopoly. We are competitive people. By the end of that, we are not talking to each other. And I'm sitting there pouting. I'm saying, was that the purpose of honeymoons? <laughs> what is wrong with you, Dale? How, how stupid is that? Well, I won some arguments. Yeah, you won some arguments and you lost a bunch of friends. Well, I made my point. Yeah, but who cares now? And the enemy just comes. He's saying, God is just saying, keep your eyes focused. Why are you here? Why are you gathering with your family? To show them I love and respect them and I would lay my life down. Not so that I get served. Whatever it is, every scenario, reframe it with the big why. And you'll find God's blessing Discover and understand your purpose. Look at Galatians 6, 4. Very important verse. And this is in the passage. It just says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. 
Don't be impressed with yourself, okay? Get over yourself. <laughs> Don't compare yourself with others. It doesn't matter. How many know the goal of your purpose is not prominence, it's faithfulness. It's not being a big shot, it's being obedient. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best. Notice the word creative. You don't just have a purpose, but that's where you create the garden of creativity. You study, you, you invent, you say, this will be like no one else has ever had this purpose. So you can live that life. And so study that. What are the gifts? What are the visions? What are the body of Christ? And then finally, choose to live your life as a steward and not an owner of the gifts that God has given you. What are gifts? Don't be impressed with your gifts. They are simply tools that God gave to you for other people. They were never for your advantage. They were never for your glory. They are tools that he wants you to offer to him to be used the way he wants, where he wants, with who he wants, to accomplish what he wants. And that takes the attitude of a steward and not an owner. That takes the attitude of someone who says, I don't deserve what I got. Everything's a gift. First Corinthians 4, 7 says, what do you have that you did not receive? Well, Man, I, I, I built a big business. Yeah, but who gave you breath so you woke up that day? Who gave you a brain? Well, yeah, but, but I'm just incredibly talented and everybody wants to hear me. Yeah, but, but who gave that to you? See, people will praise you. And the Lord told me a long time, don't ever be impressed when somebody compliments you. They're not complimenting you. They're complimenting the gift I gave you. And I gave it to you, and I can take it away tomorrow. And if you get haughty with it, it won't matter. It's just stewardship. Some have the ability to organize or teach or pray or create. Why? It's a gift. You have the gift of time. I don't know. You may have a week, or you may have 50 years. Guess what? It's all a gift. And if you see those years as, oh, my time, my time. No, it's not your time. It's all a gift. If you have treasure, it's not your money. And if you have talent, there's one ultimate question. We are going to stand before Jesus, and there's going to be two questions. Number one, what did you do with Jesus? How many know we get saved by grace? We're going to heaven because Jesus forgives our sins. So our, our entrance into heaven is, is by believing in Jesus. But then there's another part to heaven, our position in heaven, our place in heaven, our responsibility in heaven. And that all depends on our faithfulness how we stewarded these things. God says, everything you do counts. It's like God gave you these seeds. And he says, go plant me a harvest vineyard. Go plant me an orchard. And, and he's coming back. And he says, how much fruit did I get? It wasn't yours. How much, how much did I get because of your life? How many souls are up here? How many 
people's lives are better. How, how many times have people had a chance that wouldn't have had a chance? Matthew 25 says, he's not gonna say, you know, well done, thou good and faithful, whatever, thou good and faithful reader, thou good and faithful poster, thou good and faithful. He's gonna say, well done, thou good and faithful steward. It's not gonna matter what you drove or you went. It's just if God had everything and you used it in a way that God's glory came to the earth. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, today there's three responses I believe that you want us to have. Number one is receive. Number two is release. And number three is reclaim. And receive is, is the call to be your child. It's like a phone call. And I just feel that the Lord is dialing someone right now. In Re Revelation, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. There comes a moment in every human heart where God says, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. You don't earn this, but you have to say yes. You have to open the door and say, come in, Jesus. I, I want you to be in my life, and I don't want you to be in, this, in the garage. I want you to be in the center of my life, head of the table. I need your forgiveness, and I need your salvation. And right now, with every head bowed and eye closed, somebody is feeling that knock right now on your heart. And you're saying, yeah, pastor, I'm just not completely sure. I'm religious or I'm a pretty good person, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about personally inviting Jesus to be the most important person in your life and asking for his forgiveness, asking for his salvation, and asking for a personal relationship. It's, it's even bigger than saying I do in marriage. It's saying I forever do to God. If you're here, I want to pray with you. If you just need to be sure of your salvation, I want to pray with you. If you'd like to say, Pastor, I, I want to be part of that prayer, could you just real quickly raise your hand and put it down? Say, that's me. That's me. Thank you so much. And that hand and all of you, thank you. Let's just pray. Right alongside that is, is just this prayer of surrender. I want to go from being an owner to a steward of my life. I want to go from that place of being a consumer to being a contributor. All the rest of my life is to fulfill a calling, not to achieve a lifestyle. And I want to pray that prayer. And then finally, God has some things he wants you to reclaim. Maybe you had your purpose, but you... You got distracted, you've been too busy, you've buried it, you've been discouraged. And today, God wants you to reclaim it. Say, yes. Remember the yard sale. Would you go out there and get your rope and, and then literally ask for a double portion. God, I reclaim that which I know that I was supposed to do. Reveal it to me. So let's just stand and pray together.
a prayer that includes all of these. If you don't mind, you could just hold your hands out to the Lord. Lord Jesus, here I am. I need you. I want to answer your call. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. I'm not going to ignore you. And I invite you into my life. I believe you died on the cross and rose again. And I want to give you my life. Come into my heart. Lord, I want to surrender to you the right to my future to live no longer as the owner of my life, but as a steward. God, here I am to claim and reclaim gifts, maybe that have become dormant or lost. And I'm asking you to show me, Holy Spirit, what are my gifts? What is my calling? What do you want me to ask for right now? A fresh anointing? A fresh anointing for teaching? A fresh anointing for evangelism? For prayer? For pastoring? For serving? For administration? For leadership? For signs and wonders? For tongues? Interpretation? What is it, Lord? I want it. And I give my heart to be a faithful steward. Can we just sing that chorus one more time before we go? Lord, I give my all to you. My all to you. Take my heart and my soul too. Lord and spirit and in truth. My devotion is to you. Sing that one more time, Lord. Lord, I give my all to you. Take my heart and my soul too. Lord, in spirit and in truth, my devotion sing one last time that chorus. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come. Some of you would like to have your hands laid on you. It's in a biblical way of stirring up gifts. It's mentioned in, in 1 Timothy 4.11. Don't neglect your gift that was imparted through the laying on of my hands. And if you like that, please come forward and 
will be ministering after this service. So prayer teams come. If you'd like that ministry, please stay. Let's sing it one more time. Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a beautiful week, and please, we'd love to pray for you if you'd like to stay. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.